Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's give him another hand clap of praise. Hallelujah, Jesus. You are worthy, Almighty God. None like you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may um, return to your seats. Good morning, good morning, good morning. <laughs> we have several out today, as you can see. Um, Cena is being the holiday weekend, and we want to make sure that we're praying for their um, safe travels. Amen. I'm going to get right to the word. Pastor has been teaching us about kingdom authority. So today we're going to continue in this teaching. If you allow me a few minutes of your time, I will um, continue in that same vein and some with some practical teaching this morning. And then um, Sister Candy's going to come and she's going to speak as well. Amen. So let us pray before we go into the word. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the day. I thank you for your word. Lord Jesus, for your word is already anointed, God. Therefore, I ask you to anoint me to teach your word today. God, to speak the word that you're giving me for your people on this day. In the mighty name of Jesus. And we will lift up your name, Father, and give you the praise and give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. God has taken us again to another dimension in him. I, believe, I do believe that Pastor Anthony and Sister Michelle have once again heard from the Lord and has received clear direction for us as a church, which to me, that's exciting. That's very exciting. I'm thankful that I'm part of a church that we always move forward. We plow. We keep on moving. It doesn't matter what the enemy put in our path. We just keep on moving forward. And I'm so thankful that I'm part of this church. This church. We never go back. Hallelujah. Thankful for a pastor that doesn't allow us to go backwards. <laughs> um, I didn't come to um, personally try to convince you today. I come in hopes that the scripture will convince you as well as myself and inspire us to pursue and walk in kingdom authority that God has given to every believer in Jesus' name. And as we know, Jesus is the example of kingdom authority. We have lots of scriptures, so if you can just be patient with me as we go through these. Starting with Matthew 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Uh, I want to just put this out there. Before Jesus did any miracles, he fasted 40 days and 40 nights. Now, I'm not telling us we're going to fast 40 days and 40 nights. So don't go and fast and say, Sister Vivian said I, I, was, I had to fast 40 days. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying, but fasting is necessary. If Jesus fasted, then we're supposed to fast. Luke 11 and 14. And he was casting out a devil, and it was dumb, and it came to pass. When the devil was gone out, the dumb spake, and the people wondered. Matthew 8, verse 14 through 15. And when Jesus was coming to Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid and sick of a fever, and he touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she arose and ministered unto them. Matthew 8, verse 16. When the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick. Everyone say, cast out spirits with his word. Luke 4, verse 40 through 41. Now when the sun was setting, all they that had any sick with diverse diseases brought them unto him, 
and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. Now touch your neighbor if it's appropriate and say, be healed in Jesus' name. Very simple. Very simple, right? Verse 41, and devils also came out of many crying out and saying, thou art Christ, the son of God. And he rebuking them, suffered them not to speak, for they knew that he was Christ. Mark 9, 25. We're going somewhere with these scriptures. Mark chapter 9, verse 25. When Jesus saw the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him, and enter no more into him. He said it one time. Jesus is addressing the spirit and not the person. We need to remember that. Luke chapter 4, verse 33 through 36. And in the synagogue there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil and cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee? Thou Jesus of Nazareth, art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace and come out. And when the devil had thrown him in the midst, he came out of him and hurt him not. And they were all amazed and spake among themselves, saying, What a word is this? For with authority and power he commanded the unclean spirits, and they came out. Now, somebody might say, Well, Sister Vivian, we're not Jesus. You're right, we're not. We're not. But we do find in Scripture where um, Jesus gave the same power unto his disciples, which we are, if we're born again, of the water and of the spirit, amen, baptized in Jesus' name and full of the Holy Ghost, amen, we are, it is for us. Matthew 10, verse 1, and this is how we know, in Matthew 10, and verse 1, and when he had called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power against what? To cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. We also find in Acts 8 and 1. But you shall receive with what? You shall receive what? Do you believe that? Well, let's say it like we believe it. But you shall receive after the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in both Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. We also can find in Matthew chapter 16, verse 17 through 18. And these signs shall follow them that, what? In my name shall they cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues. Let everyone read that, please. In my name. And what is the name? They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Now, this is given to us, the church. Now, let's visit the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, and see how they operated in this power. This is just practical teaching. Acts chapter 3, verse 3 through, one, 3 through 9. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked, and Elms, and Peter fastened his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto him, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, 
but such as I have, I give thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Simple. And he leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Acts 5 and 12, many signs and wonders were done by the hands of the apostles. The sick and those with unclean spirits were all healed. Acts 6 and 8, Stephen, full of the power of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. He was full of faith and power. Acts 16, verse Acts chapter 16, verse 16 through 18. And it came to pass as we went into prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul in us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show us the way of salvation. And this did she many days, but Paul being grieved, Paul was displeased. Paul had had enough. Turned and said to the spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it says, and he came out the same hour. And when it came, um, when it comes down to the spiritual realm, we must understand that there's only one. And just because something is professing, something that sounds correct, it doesn't mean that it's correct. This damsel was following them, and she was saying, these are the servants of the Most High God. But Paul had discernment. She was speaking what was correct, but she was possessed with the Spirit. Amen? So Paul turned to the Spirit. He, once again, he addressed the Spirit and not the girl. To confront the girl would be confronting the flesh. And the Bible tells us we are not to wrestle with flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. That's something that we really need to pay attention to when we're praying over people. We have to really be aware it's not the person, but it's the spirit that's within. When Paul confronted the spirit, he commanded the spirit to come out. And the scripture said, he came out the same hour. We have this kind of active kingdom power working in us every single day. Everyone in this room who is a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ has the authority necessary to cast out demonic spirits, heal the sick, and cast out unclean spirits. God is taking us to another level, church. We're going to another level. Now, if you notice in the scriptures, Jesus nor the apostles, they didn't repeat themselves. And the reason why is because if you have authority, you don't have to repeat yourself. Authority doesn't have to walk in a room and introduce itself. It just come on the scene. Right? Do the President of the United States have to walk in and introduce himself? Do the Queen Elizabeth have to walk on the scene and introduce herself? The authority that's on them presents itself. It doesn't have to repeat itself. And it doesn't have to convince itself or others that it's authority. It just is. It just is. And all authority comes from God. God is the creator and everything else is creation. Therefore, everything created is subject to the creator. Amen? And we have been created in his image 
in his likeness, and God has given us dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and every creeping thing that creepeth upon it. Sickness is on this earth. Demonic spirits possess a human body on this earth. Therefore, we have dominion over it. We have dominion over it. This authority has been given to us by God the Creator. It has been given to the church, the church that's been purchased by the blood of Jesus. It's an honor and it's a privilege that God, the God of heaven, will include us in kingdom matters. We get to walk in kingdom authority. The spirit world is real. It was recognized that Jesus had authority. Mark eleven twenty eight. And they say unto him, By what authority dost thou these things? And who gave thee this authority to do these things? Acts 4, the high priest and others asked Peter, By what power or by what name have you done this? The high priest was so threatened by the power that they commanded them not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. You can't have the authority without the name. They go together. We can't have it unless we can't have the authority unless we have the name. We don't have the name unless we are born again of the water and of the spirit, baptized in Jesus' name. Amen. And filled with the Holy Ghost. We have no authority without the name. And that name is Jesus. And it will not coexist with pride or self-righteousness. It will not coexist. We must be holy and live in a righteous life unto the Lord, separated from the world. And righteousness is attainable. We can do this. Spirits, the spirits recognize the authority. Acts 19, verse 13. Then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits, the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure you by Jesus, whom Paul preached. In other words, they were trying to force something that they did not have. Acts 19, verse 15 through 16. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? And the man in whom the evil spirit was, was leaped on them and overcame them and prevailed against them, so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. I pray that we don't experience that in here. If it's in the book, it can happen. If you find yourself trying to pray for someone and you're saying, come out in the name of Jesus five times, I advise you to get out the way. Because in the book, they just said it one time. So you have to repeat yourself. There might not be any authority there. The Spirit responds to authority in the name of Jesus. Amen? Just saying. You might see me step out of the way sometime. Who knows? But if it's in the book, it could happen. The spirits recognized there was something about the name and the, um, the, the vagabonds that tried to force something to happen, but they had no power. They were not believers. They did not have the spirit of God nor the authority of God. In other words, they were not granted access to the kingdom power. It's for the believer. This authority only belongs to the believers, those who have the spirit of God. Right? Scripture tells us if we have not his spirit, we're none of his. We take on this power for the sole purpose of releasing out to others 
at the right time as we are being led by the Spirit. We uh, house this great power. We contain it so we can convey it out. We receive it so we can release it. We're full so, we can, so it can flow out. Amen. Mark 5 and 30, Jesus immediately knew virtue, power, had gone out of him. This relates to the woman with the issue of blood. She was healed by simply touching the hem of Jesus' garment. Her faith met up with Jesus, and it produced a miracle. Faith in the name of Jesus grant us access to the kingdom authority. Now, just some practical teaching. I've had people ask questions about... Uh, spiritual warfare and spiritual realms. So I'm going to just going to just do some practical teaching real quick. First, do not try to be super spiritual. We have to know this stuff cuz we walk in kingdom authority. And we're dealing with spirits in the church. This is where God is taking us. Do not try to be super spiritual. If God is wanting to reveal something, he will. He will do it in his timing, when he's ready, when it's needed. Now, if we try to pray so hard and try to walk and discern every little thing, if we're walking around thinking we are Peter and Paul combined in one body, <laughs> it's me. <laughs> And we're like, if we have that mindset, we're Peter and Paul, we're combining one body, we can do everything all by ourselves. That's arrogance. That has nothing to do with God. Now, if we're praying and we're seeking things and we're walking around looking for discernment, the devil will show you some stuff. He will gladly show you some stuff. And we would think that it's God. And it has absolutely nothing to do with God. Remember, there's one realm. There's not two. Amen? We need to pray for discerning of spirits. We need to ask God for wisdom. And he will give it to us liberally if we ask. Now, sometimes we're praying for people and we get worn out because we're praying over flesh and we're thinking we're casting out a demonic spirit. And we're just praying over someone's flesh. And we're wore out because you can't cast out flesh. We need discernment. These are the days ahead of us, guys. We need discernment. Now, no, now remember, Jesus and the apostles did not repeat themselves. Nor did they speak in tongues for 10 minutes over someone praying for healing. Amen? When someone, when they went to heal, the Bible says they touch. A simple touch. They didn't use tongues as a cop-out because maybe they wasn't where they should be spiritually. Maybe they had fear. Who knows? They simply said, be healed. Come out. Healing came by touch. Jesus sent his word, and it brought healing. When they cast out demonic spirits, they didn't touch them. They just cast them out with the word. Paul commanded in the name of Jesus to come out. Is this okay? If you desire to walk and be active in kingdom authority, here are the spiritual requirements. Hyphen, listen up. 
Because if you're not careful, you might be a monster group that get beat up. You must be a believer, born again of the water and of the spirit, baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, live a life of holiness and righteousness separated from the world unto God, personal relationship with God through prayer, fasting, and studying the word of God, submission to authority. You can't have authority unless you're submitted to authority. Obedient to God. Obedient to pastoral authority. Faithfulness to the house of God. Faithfulness in giving. Denying yourself and just putting God first. That sums it all up. In Luke 9.23, I think it says, you deny yourself. You deny yourself. Those fleshly things, God's not going to take them away. He says, you deny yourself. So let's not think we can work up this power and walk in authority without these spiritual requirements. There's no substitute for his anointing. There's no substitute for his glory. There's no substitute for his power. And there's definitely no substitute for his name. There's no substitute. He is God all by himself, and he doesn't need us to do anything. We get to be a part of this kingdom authority. If we're not alignment, in alignment with the spiritual requirements that I mentioned above, then today is the day to get started. You can start fresh. Amen? So the can is going to come, and I'm sure when she is done speaking the word of the Lord to us, there will be a time for us that we can pray. But let's just clap your hands as she come, and she's going to bring the word to us. Thank you, Sister Vivian. That was awesome. How many loves practical application? I love practical application. Most of the time it hurts, but I like it. <laughs> Don't lie, it hurts you too. <laughs> I thank Pastor Anthony and Sister Michelle for this opportunity. And this church, I love you. I hope you know that. I think you know that. I love you, love you, love you. Thank you for letting me serve you. I appreciate every opportunity that I get to speak into your life. Today I'm uh, going to come and I'm going to be talking about um, the enemy of authority. Pastor's been speaking about kingdom authority. Brother Bailey showed up, preached about kingdom authority without having one note. Bless his heart. Sister Michelle spoke about the armor of authority. Sister Vivian gave us practical tips about kingdom authority. And today I'm going to come and I'm going to speak about what the enemy of authority is. Before I get started today, I think there's some fundamental truths that we have got to solidify in our hearts and our minds. The first truth is there is no authority outside of God. There is no authority greater than God. He is sovereign. The definition of sovereign is that he is the supreme authority. Now, by his supremacy, he has established some lines of authority that we have to follow. But at the end of the day, he is king. He is king. He answers to no one. By his word, the worlds were formed. By his hands, he created man. By his authority, kingdoms rise and fall. And we have got to understand Isaiah 45 and 5. I am the Lord and there is none else. There is no God besides me. 
Amen. The second truth that we have got to understand that Satan is not God's equal. Here's God, here's Satan, they're equal in power, God's good, Satan's bad. That is the biggest lie from hell there ever could be. God created Satan. He is not God's equal. He was an angel. He made a choice to come against the sovereignty of God. He lost his position in the kingdom. And now the word of God describes him as the prince of this world. And the last time I checked, princes still take orders from kings. Hallelujah. Isaiah 45 and 7 says, I form light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. God and Satan are not equal. The third foundational truth that we have got to understand, and Pastor has preached about it on uh, several occasions, Sister Vivian alluded to it today, we are not God, but the God in us makes us powerful. We have power to be witnesses. We have power to lay hands on the sick. We have power to cast out devils. We have power to raise the dead. John 14 and 12, Jesus says, verily, verily, that little word, verily, verily, there says, most assuredly of truth, I say to you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, he shall also do, and greater works than these shall he do. 1 John 4 and 4. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So we see there is no God like God. There is no one above him. Satan and God are not equal in power. And we see that God gives us power to overcome every evil. So with that knowledge and with that understanding, here's my question. Why do we still live beneath our means as it applies to kingdom authority? If God is God, Satan's not his equal, he lives in us, why do we still live beneath our means as it applies to kingdom authority? Now, pastor said he is by no means an expert, and I'm going to tell you the same thing. (laughs) I'm not an expert in this, but I do believe as it applies to kingdom authority, we've got some enemies. We've got some enemies. The enemies of authority that I'm going to talk about today might not be what you have thinking in your mind right now. Sometimes we think, oh, there's these great big demons, and there are demons. There is Satan. There is a whole world. It is very real, very real. But what I'm going to talk about today might look a little bit different than what you think. On altar call this past Sunday, Pastor Anthony said there was going to be an impartation of revelation as it applied to kingdom authority. He said there were going to be three things that would stop us from receiving the revelation and stop us from walking in kingdom authority. Those three things were pride, selfishness, and lack of desire. So say that, pride, selfishness, and lack of desire. Church, these are enemies of authority. Pride, selfishness, and lack of desires. Matter of fact, these are more than obstacles. Sometimes they're like, oh, that's just their personality, or oh, that's just an obstacle. No, it is an enemy of kingdom authority. So I'm going to talk about pride for just a few minutes, if you'll bear with me. We know in the beginning that God had intended Satan to be so much more than a fallen angel. 
In Ezekiel, you can read about his God-given purpose. He was covered in every precious stone. His tabrets and pipes were prepared in him from the day he was created. He was an anointed cherub. Ezekiel 28 and 15 says, Thou was perfect in the ways from the day that thou wast created until iniquity or sin was found in him. He was perfect until sin was found in him. We need to remember heaven is a sinless place. No sin will enter heaven. Verse 17, thy heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings that they may behold thee. Isaiah 14 and 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which did weaken the nations? Here's how it happened. Here was the sin. For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend unto heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high God. Church, if pride exempted Lucifer from kingdom authority, it would be very foolish for us to think that we can be prideful and walk in kingdom authority. The word of God said that his heart was lifted up because he thought a lot about himself. If we think so highly of ourselves, God will never be able to trust us with kingdom authority. People who think a lot about themselves, they abuse authority. That's how that works. When we think so highly of our talents and our treasures and our time and our skill and our abilities, the same thing that happened to Satan will happen to us. The word of God says that the wisdom that was in Satan was corrupted because he thought so highly of himself. And whatever wisdom we think God has given us, when we start thinking highly of ourselves, it will become corrupt within us. Oh, God, please help me. Help me as this church's counselor to have wisdom, but not to think so highly of myself, because that, corrupt, that wisdom will be corrupted. God, help me to th not to think so highly of myself, because it will be corrupted. It will be corrupted. We better believe that God is still serious about pride. Yes, he wants to move through us. Yes, he wants to use us to do great things for the kingdom. But we better remember, it's all about him. It's all about him. The word of God says in Proverbs 27 and 2, let another man praise you and not your own mouth. A stranger and not your own lips. I am so leery of people that have to walk around telling me how great they are. <laughs> it happens and you know it. I'm leery. You got to tell me how great you are. Proverbs 16 and 18, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. James 4 and 6, but he giveth more grace. Wherefore, he said, God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 29, for ye see your calling, brethren, how not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty and the base things of the world and the things that are despised 
has God chosen, yea, all things which are not to bring not things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. God will not be outshined. I want end time revival. I want to see where God is taking us. I want it to happen. But the minute I think it's about me and my talents and my abilities and my discernment and my whatever, ooh, we got to be careful. And I'm talking to myself. I'm part of the body today, so I'm not speaking at you. I'm just speaking what the Lord has spoke to me. But this pride isn't the only kind of pride that the enemy wants to come against with kingdom authority. Puffed up in your face, I can do it my way type of pride is not the only kind of pride. There's another facet of pride that will keep us from obeying the voice of God when it comes to kingdom authority. It sounds like this. I don't think God can use me. I'm not good enough. I've sinned too hard for too long. I'm too bad. My talents and abilities aren't as good as so-and-so. I have nothing to offer. I can't make a difference. I have failed too many times. I need us to take a look at the first word in each of those statements. It's I, 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 I. It's the same eyes that Satan used in the scriptures in Isaiah. Why do we think so highly of our sin, our past, our situation, that we fail to see that the blood of Jesus Christ has covered it for us just like it covered for Judas, just like it covered for Peter, just like it covered for whomever? The Bible's full of misfits. <laughs> Thank God. Thank God. But we ought not have that attitude that says, God can't use me. At one end, pride says, I'm in your face. And then the next side, it says, I, no one can see my face. That's still pride. That's still pride. I don't know about you, but I've had to reconcile my own I statements with the Lord. I've swung both sides. God, I ain't doing that. <laughs> or God, I can't do that. And I've had to reconcile that myself. We're all in the same boat. We're all human. I don't know about you, but I don't want there to be any pride in me. None. When Holly was in Bible school, she texted me a quote from one of her teachers. And this is what the quote said. Satan's pride changed the chorus of all eternity, but you think your pride will go unpunished. Satan's pride changed the course of all eternity. God didn't create Satan to, to be bound in hell after the millennial and all that kind of thing. He didn't create him for that. He chose that. Satan's pride changed the course of eternity. But you think your pride is going to go unpunished? I think my pride is going to go unpunished. I don't know about you, but pride is the enemy of kingdom authority. Pastor said it was pride, selfishness, and a lack of desire. Those were the three things that were going to stop us from receiving this revelation of kingdom authority. And we often hear people say, well, she's so selfish. Or that was selfish. Or if someone's real bold, they'll say it to your face. You are selfish. You've heard it. Maybe you're the one who has said it in times past. The definition of selfish is lacking consideration for others and chiefly concerned with one's own profit and one's own pleasure. Lacking concern for others, caring only about what you can profit and what pleasures you. Now, when it comes to selfishness, there can be so many varieties. We can be selfish with our time. We can be selfish with our talents. We can be selfish with our treasure. We spend our time doing what pleases us. 
others rarely crossing our mind. If it doesn't make us happy, give us gratification, then we'll consider it a waste of time. It's too far out of the way. It causes me to miss something. It interrupts my routine or my schedule. That's when we resist it. We don't want to give of our time. That's selfish. That's selfish. Our talents, we could use them to further the kingdom, but we spend more time making excuses for why we can't do something instead of just spending the time to do it. It never crosses our mind that maybe we've been asked to do it because we have the skill set needed. We often think, well, someone else will do it. I could spend a lot of time talking about giving your time and giving your talent, but I feel really, really strongly today to talk about giving our treasure. An enemy of kingdom authority. If you think about this, the scripture says you can't serve two gods. You're going to serve God or you're going to serve mammon. I feel so strongly, strongly, strongly to address the spirit of mammon. We spend our treasure on what brings us joy, happiness, and satisfaction. We submit to tithes and offerings, but if someone is in need, or if God moves on us to give sacrificially, or if a missionary needs a car, we make excuses for why we can't give when in all actuality we just don't want to. Now, here, God's not mad at us, folks. I ain't mad at nobody. I'm just telling you, these are some enemies that want to come against where God is taking us. Now, we've lived at a certain level for a while, but God is taking us to a new place. I'm revealing the tricks of the enemy. No pride and no spirit of mammon, selfishness. It's got to get out of the way. We, lived in one, we live in one of the most blessed nations on the planet. We have the most resources available to us. And on one hand, that is such a blessing. But on the other hand, it can be such a curse. In the book of Acts, we see the birth of the church. At this time, there was a group of 12 men who gave up everything to walk in kingdom authority. They gave up everything. So they, plus about 100 others, they go up into the other room, upper room, they wait for the Holy Ghost to fall, and Peter, standing with the eleven, they begin to preach the gospel. Okay? We pick up the story in Acts 2, verses 41 through 47. I got a couple lengthy readings. If you'll just be patient, we're going somewhere with this. Then they that gladly received the word were baptized. The same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in the breaking of bread and prayers. And Fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together had all things common. They sold their possessions and good and parted them to all men, as every man had need. And they continued daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily that should be saved. This passage of scripture is amazing in so many ways, but I read it today so we can see what the people were doing when people were being added to the church daily. We say we want to see revival. We say we want to walk in apostolic authority. And if that's true, then there's some things that we're going to have to do. We say we want to see the church being added to daily. We want to walk in apostolic authority. We want great fear to come upon the city of Harvey and see all these conversions. But if we're not steadfastly continuing in the doctrine, in fellowship with one another, praying, looking after the needs of one another, evangelizing, then we really don't want to see it. If we want to dispute everything that pastor says, 
argue about doctrine, not attend community group, not read the word, not pray, not be faithful to the house of God on Thursday nights. We don't really want to see it. That's selfish. We're still talking about the enemies of authority. That's selfishness. Just from this passage alone, you can see the vital importance of giving of your time and your talent and your treasure. But it doesn't end there. So that was what was happening in Acts 2. In Acts 3, Sister Vivian read it. Peter and John, they were going, uh, they, through the Holy Ghost, they healed the lame man. In Acts 4, they got arrested, but then they got released because they couldn't find anything to charge him. And then the end of, verse, um, of Acts 4, this is what it says. We're going to start at verse 32. Okay, think with me here. They were in the upper room. The Holy Ghost was poured out. The, the, uh, Peter preached the gospel. Jesus uh, was adding to the church. The, the Spirit of God was adding to the church daily. Peter and John healed the lame man directly after that. They get arrested. They let him go. Now this is what happens next. Verse 32 of Acts 4. And the multitude of them that believed were in one heart. This is kind of like next level. This is the church at the next level. Were in one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that aught of these things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. When they did this, verse 33, and with great power gave the apostles witnesses of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, and great grace was upon them. Neither was there among them that lacked, for as many as possessors of land and houses sold them and brought the prices of the thing that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet, and the distribution was made unto every man according to he had need. This is an example. This is the exact opposite of selfish. Remember, the definition of selfish is looking out for your own profit, your own pleasure, and having a lack of consideration for others. This was a selfless group of people. I want to measure up with these selfless groups of people. Of course, we know that you should only do what God asks you to do. I'm not telling you go sell your house and all that. You have to obey the Lord. But as we move on to Acts 5, this was just three chapters after the people got the Holy Ghost and after this great display of sacrificial giving, we see selfishness creeping up in the church, and it didn't take long before the spirit of mammon wanted to take over. Acts 5, verses 1 through 10. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price. And his wife, also being privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. And Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? While it remained, was it not yours? After it was sold, was it still not in your power? Thou hast conceived this thing in thy heart. Why hast thou conceived this thing in thy heart? Thou hast not lied to man, but unto God. And Ananias... Hearing these words, fell down, gave up the ghost. And <laughs> here's the thing. Spirit of mammon came in. The man died. And here's the thing. Great fear fell upon them. They heard these things. And the young man arose, wound him up, and carried him out and buried him. It was about the space of three hours when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in. And Peter asked unto her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yeah, for so much. And Peter said unto her, how is it that you have agreed to tempt the spirit of the Lord? 
Behold, the feet of them that buried thy husband are at the door, and shall carry thee out. Then she fell down straightway at his feet and yielded up the ghost, and the young men came in and found her dead, carrying her forth, buried her by her husband. And Ananias and Sapphira were selfish. They were selfish. They had every resource available to them to be righteous. But at the end of the day, they wanted what pleased them. They wanted what profited them. They wanted to look right in the sight of the church. But at the end of the day, their heart was still bound by the spirit of mammon. It looks to me, Ananias and Sapphira, they had a great church. They were part of the first church. They had everything they need. Remember what that was? They were all selling their excess. Ananias and Sapphira did not need to keep that money. They had what they needed. They had great leaders, and it appears that Peter was their pastor. But they made the choice to be selfish. But here's what I love. Here is what I love. And I feel like the Lord is speaking to us. Look at Acts 5 and 11. And great fear, respect, came upon the church and upon as many as heard these things. And by the hand of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. And they were in one accord in Solomon's porch. And believers were the more added to the Lord multitudes, both men and women, insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at the least of the shadow of Peter passing by them might overshadow some of them. There also came multitudes out of the cities round about into Jerusalem, bringing sick folks and them which were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed every one. Church, I feel so strongly the Holy Ghost speaking to us today. And he's saying, I will have a church. I will pour out my spirit. Pride in the spirit of mammon will not stop what I'm going to do. Where there is humility, I'm going to give grace. And where there is giving, I'm going to give authority. And where there is unity, I'm going to give power. Hallelujah. Ananias and Sapphira did not stop the will of God. And if we think our spirit of mammon and our selfishness is going to stop the church of the Almighty God, we're wrong. Oh, hallelujah. He is king and he will have a church and we can choose to be a part of it or we can choose not to be a part of it. That's how it works. You got a choice. I got a choice. I can say, yes, Lord, use me. Or I can say, no, Lord, I want my time and my talent and my treasure. Oh, Jesus, touch us. Touch us. This is where you're taking us. Yes, you want to give me power, but there's some things we got to give up. You want his power? Start spending your time with him. We want his power and authority. Start using your talents for the kingdom. Use what you got. Pastor Eli preached so good at the student service. Just use what you got. All he's got is Spanish. He's using it. Praise God. If we want to see what God wants to do, we've got to give. We've got to give. And don't think he won't require more. He will. That's how it works. He wants it all. And I don't know what your all looks like. I only know what my all looks like. But we're moving into this next phase of kingdom authority. You got to give your time. We got to give our treasure. We got to give our talents. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The third and final enemy of kingdom authority is lack of desire. 
Lack of desire. I'm hurrying to a close here. Now, there are some who straight up don't want to be a part of kingdom authority. And to you, I say no one, even God, is going to make you be a part of something you don't want to be a part of. I'm not going to chase you down. Pastor's not going to chase you down if you don't want to be a part. I can't. I want you to. He wants you to. We want you to. But if you don't want to be, there ain't no devil in hell or no angel in heaven that can stop you from doing what you want to do. It just is that way. I'm not mad, I promise. I'll smile. Take time to smile. I ain't mad. But to those of you under the sound of my voice, if you're being honest and you find yourself saying, Sister Candy, I know what you're speaking is truth. I know I should want to be involved. I know it would be pleasing to the Lord if I was a part. I'm just struggling. I'm just struggling. To you, I want to say, there's a cycle. And what we think is what we feel. It's connected. Our thoughts are connected to our emotions. What we feel is what we begin to believe. Okay? And what we believe will be what we do. So if you find yourself straying and walking away from kingdom authority, but you want to be attached to that, you want to be plugged into what God is doing, you've got to stop the cycle somewhere. It is that simple. It really is that simple. You don't have to, you know, there's, that's the formula. What are you thinking about? We have to ask ourselves some easy questions, do a little survey. Again, it's what you think. Depends what you feel. What you feel becomes what you believe. What you believe will become what you do. So before your thoughts, what develops our thoughts? What we hear and what we see, what we taste, what we touch. Our five senses develop our thoughts. So we need to ask ourselves some pivotal questions. I'm hurrying to an end. We need to ask our questions, what do I hear? What do I hear? If I don't want to be involved in kingdom authority, what is it that I'm hearing? Do I give an ear to gossip? Do I listen to the lies of the enemy? Do I resist hearing the word of God? What kind of music do I listen to? We need to ask ourselves a question. What do I see? What do I entertain myself with? Is it holy? Is it edifying to my spirit? What am I watching on the internet, on TV, on my phone? What places am I visiting? If we don't have this desire, it's because we're feeding the flesh more than we're feeding the spirit. We have to ask ourselves these spiritual discipline questions. Do I pray every day? Do I read the word every day? Do I surround myself with truth-speaking fellowship? Am I faithful to fasting? Do I crucify my flesh? I hate fasting. I do. I do it. I do it, but I hate it just like some people. LaCrisha likes it. I don't know what's wrong with her. (laughs) Am I a faithful giver? (laughs) If you take an honest look and you start one by one asking yourself, what am I thinking? What am I looking at? What am I entertaining myself with? You, and if you start those disciplines, I don't care if it's two minutes of prayer every day. Honestly, that's how it starts. And when you start, you will develop an insatiable hunger to spend time with God. You'll develop an insatiable hunger to to read his word. You'll develop an insatiable hunger. So if you're one of those who's struggling, I want to be connected. Ask yourself those questions. Where am I in that cycle? What am I thinking? What am I feeling? What am I believing? And what am I doing? God will help you. He absolutely will help you. Hallelujah. I wonder too often... Do we think that we're not experiencing what God has for us because of some big demonic attack? 
I watched a sermon the other day, and this sister, she was preaching, and she said, I don't pay no attention to devils. I just flick them off. Like, you know, she's like, oh, you just get out of my way. And I believe that many of us operate in that realm. But the problem is, if we have to, like Sister Vivian said, you cannot cast out flesh. you got to kill flesh. You have to kill flesh. You rebuke the enemy, but you have to kill your flesh. You have to flee when it comes to our flesh. I know this church. I know you. And I know that you have a desire to see what God wants. But I pray today that the scales will be removed from our eyes and from time to time we'll take a good look at where we are as it applies to pride and selfishness and lack of desire. God, remove the scales from my eyes that I can see what it is that you're trying to check my flesh about. Here's the thing. I have experienced times in my life where I've been very prideful. I've experienced times in my life when I've been very selfish. And I've been experiencing times in my life where I just didn't want to push one more time. I'm human. We're all human. We're all in this together. But if you want to submit yourselves to the Lord when it comes to your flesh, and you want to kill anything that might come up in your flesh as it applies to pride or selfishness or lack of desire, I would ask that you stand. We're going to transition. If that's you and you want to be a part of what God is doing, I ask you to stand. Pride and selfishness and lack of desire is completely contrary to his nature. He does not want us to be bound by these things. He wants us to be free to walk in the authority that he died to give us. God wants us to be free to walk in the authority that he died to give us. He wants you to have it. He wants me to have it. He wants us to be what he's called us to be. And he made the greatest sacrifice to get it to us. Amen? Amen. I don't know what part of this lesson might have applied to you, but I pray that we raise our hands right now and just take a moment to talk to the Lord. God, I come before you today, Lord, standing as humbly as I know how to stand. God, I come before you knowing that I am mere flesh. God, there are times when I become prideful, thinking that I don't have to submit to certain things or I can't submit to certain things. God, I pray that you would search me, God. Search my mind. Search my heart, Lord. God, if there's areas of pride within me, I pray today that you would forgive me. God, help me to crucify my flesh every day that I walk. God, help me to put on your mind, God. Help me not to see things for what they are, but to see them for what you see them, God. Lord, if there be any selfishness in me where I'm not willing to give what you're asking, God, as it applies to my time, God, I pray that you would help me, Lord. God, help Help me and forgive me, God, if I'm not giving my time or my talent or my treasure the way that you have asked. God, I pray that you would forgive me, Lord. God, I pray today that you would prepare my mind and prepare my heart, Lord. God, for what you're about to do. Saints, let's raise our voices and ask God to open our eyes to see what he's about to ask us to do. 